Alright guys, welcome back as we plow through the book of Genesis. It's hard to believe that this week, you ready for this? You're going to finish your first book of the Bible. Yes, you've been reading every single day, 22 days. Kevin, have you missed a day? Yeah. Kevin? Rich? Oh yeah. Hmm. Well, glad to see the school is really impacting your lives. For those that have actually read every single day, we're on Lesson 22, Genesis 41 through 42. My prayer is that you're using the study guides, uh, the reading guides, that they just trigger a little bit more in depth that you might not be getting here, or maybe in your discussion groups, or maybe even in Laura's Daily Word. But my prayer is is that somehow the Lord's speaking to you through the Scriptures. Somehow the Holy Spirit is downloading what He wants you to get from this text today. And Genesis 41 through 42, yes, we're going to continue our our dialogue on on Joseph. And really, the reality of Joseph is that he is to preserve the seed. He's actually to save the seed. Because what you have is is a whole lot of mess. And in fact, in Genesis 39 and 40, he's put before in in a prominent position to serve alongside, you know, the king and Potiphar. And then Potiphar's wife tries to seduce him and then he gets thrown into prison and then he interprets some dreams for a cupbearer and a baker. And two years later in Genesis 41, all of a sudden it's like uh, Pharaoh has a dream and the cupbearer realizes, oh yeah, there's a guy in prison. He interpreted my dream. I think he can interpret yours. And so Pharaoh, he calls him out of prison and he shares these dreams. And in verse 14, Joseph says, look, here's the deal. There's going to be seven years of famine. There's going to be seven years of abundance first. And then seven years of famine. You've got a, a, a sickly cow and you've got a whole lot of healthy harvest. And so what you have is Joseph says, by the way, here's what I think you should do. You need to put a man over everything. And what he's going to do is, is he needs to take a fifth of the good harvest and store it up in storehouses so that when the famine hits, we'll be ready. And oh, by the way, Pharaoh says, all right, you're the guy. 13 years earlier, he's in a pit. And now all of a sudden, Rich, I know you love your P words. He's in a palace. And it's like God's promise continues. There it is again. God's promise to preserve. I can't, I can't, I got nothing else. Okay. I don't know what else to say. He, he, he preserves the promise of the seed through Joseph. How do I know? Well, one is, is first of all, he, he gives him a wife. Okay. This is kind of cool. Pharaoh gives him a wife. He's a daughter of a priest of a son. God, don't worry. Don't let that deter you. Because in Genesis 41, what we'll see all throughout Joseph's life is that he functions in a pure heart. 2 Timothy 2.22 says that he, he, he fled the evil desires and the lusts. Like that's, that's how he functions. And I think that's our role as well. And so what you see is that when he's given a new name by Potiphar, it means God speaks and he lives. I believe Joseph doesn't change. In fact, Joseph just utilizes what God is putting right in front of him. So as Genesis 41 really comes to a close, what you have in verse 46 is just, just so you have a, an idea of a time frame. He's 30 years old. And he begins to implement the interpretation of the dream. And he's in charge of everything. Like, when I mean everything, everything but what Pharaoh eats, he's in charge of. And so in this time frame, remember, he's married to uh, to this lady, daughter of Potiphar, and the priest at On. Ah, yeah, okay, so she they're given two sons. One of them is Manasseh, and the other one is Ephraim. Manasseh, I just, all I want to write here, okay, is just so you guys understand... Manasseh and Ephraim. Down the road, we're going to get into this uh, at the end of, of Genesis. Tom, what is it? Genesis 48? 48. 48. We're going to get into that. I, I just want to let you know that their names mean forget, and I'm really summarizing this here, and fruitful. And God uses these two sons to become part of 
the 12 tribes. And in fact, what happens is, is that Joseph basically, because he receives the blessing, the portion from, from Jacob, it actually falls on to these two guys, Manasseh and Ephraim. And so again, we'll get into a whole lot more, but I think this is really important. In the seven years of abundance, okay, Joseph has two sons. And so I think it's just cool that God is even expanding Joseph's family, not just his role, but also his family in the process. But in verse 54, it says then the famine kicks in. And so in Genesis 41, what you see again over and over is that Joseph's hand through the Lord's help is all over the land of Egypt. In other words, he is here to save, okay, save the seed. Because right now, uh, we don't know how it's going to happen. There's a famine. There's no food in anywhere. And it says in verse 57, I, I just want to say this though too. Remember, Kevin, we had talked about the whole storehouses and like he's, logistics just speaks to your heart. I know. Is that Joseph is storing up in all these storehouses in every city all throughout the land. And then it just says in verse 56 that when the famine comes into play, Joseph opens up all the storehouses. So when he opens up all the storehouses, automatically I just think, Wausau, Wisconsin. And I remember thinking, God, would you open up the heavens? Would you open up the heavens and rain down your, your, your manna here on earth? Cause like as we travel over and over, we just totally depend upon the Lord, uh, bringing the manna. And I think God uses Joseph to bring about the manna when it doesn't look good at all. And so this still applies to Joseph's brother, to his dad, Jacob. They don't have food either. And in fact, in verse 57, it says, every nation came to Joseph in Egypt to buy grain. For the famine was severe in every, every land. So we know that this impacted his family as well. And we know that the seed is actually at jeopardy right now. So that's why I say the saving the seed is going to come through Joseph because God strategically put him here to save them. So every nation, and it makes me think of Genesis 12, verse 3. I'll bless those who bless you and I'll curse those who treat you with content and all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. So what's happened right here at the very end? No, it's not complete fulfillment of Genesis 12, 3. But what you see is that Joseph is playing a part of this, that through Joseph, all of the peoples on the earth are blessed. I mean, look in verse 57 of Genesis 41. Every nation came so that that they could get food and Joseph was the answer. So we're hoping and we're praying, if you don't know the rest of the story, that his brother's would come. So in Genesis 42, it happens. Genesis 42, verse 1, what you see is, is that Jacob, he learned that there was grain in Egypt. Hey, have you guys heard? And I love this. I love this dad mentality. It just, all of his sons, hey, you idiots, why do you look at each other? You know, the whole, I, for some reason, I go to the Three Stooges every time. You know, like, whoop, 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 whoop. You know, all these, yeah, it's like this, all this. Like, what are you guys doing? Are you playing games? Hello? We could use some food right now. And I, I don't know, I think they'd be like, uh, okay. <laughs> in verse two, it says this, listen, I've heard there's grain in Egypt. Go down there and buy some for us so that we will live and not die. You know what that really means? Oh, by the way, Jacob says, all of you, your spouses, your kids, all of this situation that's taking place, it's all going to go away if you don't leave. And I know that this is a dangerous uh, a trip. You know, Warren Wearsby says that they're vulnerable. They, they could actually make themselves slaves if they go into Egypt, but we need food. If not, all of us are dead. But I think deep down inside, though, I think Jacob knew, though, there was more to this story. I think he knew, though, I just, he's heard from the Lord. In Genesis 15, verse 13, this was passed down to a family member. Genesis 15, verse 13. This is such a great, I think what blows me away about Genesis is like how it constantly, like, 
Like it all ties together. Here you have Abraham. Uh, Abraham, so here you have Jacob's grandfather has heard from the Lord. He says, know this for certain. Your offspring will be strangers in a land that does not belong to them. They will be enslaved and oppressed 400 years. So if I am, if I'm Jacob, I'm processing, uh, hmm. <laughs> well, there's a good chance we're going to get our food, but oh, by the way, it might, we might be there for 400 years. <laughs> I don't know. I sure would send my sons and stay back. I mean, like that's, that's what he's doing. And yet at the same time, this is really bizarre because I think he knows that there is more here. And in verse three, so, so 10 of Joseph's brothers went down to buy grain from Egypt. Now notice how many at this point you guys are born. There's 12, right? Joseph's on one end. He sends 10. Well, which one doesn't he send? Well, his favorite, the youngest. So he goes to verse four, but Jacob did not send Joseph's brother, Benjamin with his brothers. For he thought, hmm. You know, Jeff, it makes me think of some of your drawings. Hmm. 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 <laughs> Something might happen to him. Oh, man. In verse 5, Scripture says this, The sons of Israel were among those who came to buy grain, for the famine was in the land of Canaan. So now watch this. Kevin, can you go back to verse 57 of Genesis 41? It says, The sons of Israel were among those who came to buy grain. They were a part of every nation coming. They were a part of the people group that came to Egypt. All right, so now here we go. This is where, this is where, it, go back to verse five because I don't want to miss this. So obviously in 1948, if you don't know this, you guys, in May 14th of 1948, the, the nation of Israel actually became a, a country. Okay, so prophetically, long, long time down the road. But this right here, this is not, when it says the sons of Israel, okay, this is not like personal identities. This isn't like, oh, we're all sons of a dad. This is a national identity right here. Like this, this is the difference of this Hebrew language. This is saying, this is a people group. Now I know it doesn't say people group, but they're implying we're, a, we're, we're one. And I, I think there's something to this. It's not a personal and I think it's pretty cool. But in verse six, this is where, holy cow, it gets real. Joseph was in charge of the country. All of these nations are coming. The sons of, of Israel are coming. And it says he sold grain to all its people. I think this is intriguing that here he is. He's right there as his brother comes. So somewhere he is tangibly in the midst. You just know that God orchestrated that because you know with all of the nations, he's not handing it out to everybody. It's just like God happened to put him there, right? I just I don't want to overlook that little, little thing. It says he sold grain to all its people. His brothers came and bowed down before him with their faces to the ground. My first thought is, wow, here we go again. The dream that I had in Genesis 37, the dream that I had when I was 17 years old is now starting to come to fruition. It's the same thing about him walking out the dream of, of Potiphar and saying, or, or Pharaoh and just saying, hey, by the way, I'm living out the seven years of, of abundance and seven years of famine and I'm in charge. Like if I'm Joseph, I'm just like, wow, God, you just, you really keep your promises. You really want to save the seed. So his brothers come, they bow down, and I think I just, we, we gotta go there. Kevin, can you go to Genesis 7 verse, 37 verse 7? Uh, there we were, binding sheaves of grain in the field. Suddenly, he's describing this dream, my sheaf stood up, and your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. And so when Joseph released, it, released this to his brothers, when he was 17 years old, and he said, oh, by the way, your sheaves are gonna bow down to my sheaf, it's, it's now happening. And in verse 8, they're like, whatever. That's not going to happen. Are you really going to rule over us? Are you really going to reign over us? Come on. And then 21 years 
later, 21 years later, after he released this dream, God brought it to fruition. I just, you know, when God spoke into my life in 2001, there, there's a little, there's some little nuggets in my life that God affirms, wow, this is becoming a reality. Wow, this is, this is real. And I, I can't fathom what Joseph was thinking when his brothers are actually bowing down. We know there's a second dream, the sun, the moon, and the stars. But I really feel like it's appropriate to focus on the sheaves and the sheaf because like the whole harvest and, and the image of they're, they're running out of food. So he comes to one that has the harvest. And so in verse seven, it says, when Joseph saw that his, saw his brothers, he recognized them, but he treated them like strangers and he spoke harshly to them. He didn't, he didn't want to blow his cover yet. Where do you come from? He asked. And from the land of Canaan to buy food, they replied. And scripture continues on and says in verse eight, although Joseph recognized his brothers, they, they didn't recognize him. I mean, think about this. They didn't recognize him because 21 years later, the dude is Egyptian, not really by heart, but he, by, by his dress, the way he shaves, uh, the way, what he wears, the way he talks. And so of course they didn't recognize him. And then in verse nine, Joseph, though, he remembered the dreams. He says, you're spies. You have come to see the weakness of the land. Now, this is a normal accusation or a thought because in that time frame, in fact, one commentator from Bruce Walkie said, there are guards at the Egyptians' Asian border routinely and they check travelers to discover spies who who would bring on an imminent uh, attack. In fact, four times, four times in verse 9, in verse 12, in verse 14, in verse 16, he says, you're spies. All you want to do is just come and check out the weakness of the land. It's just a card, though. That's all he's doing. He just, he's, he's playing his, hey, I'm the governor card, I can. I think there's a little bit in him that says, this is kind of fun. I don't know, maybe. And in verse 10, they continue this dialogue. They said, no, no, my Lord, your servants, we've really come to buy food, they said. In verse 11, well, we're all sons of one man. We're honest. Your servants are not spies. And I think, I think he just kind of keeps digging because he just wants to get more information. Let's just keep having this conversation. I get to see my brothers for the first time in 21 years. Let's just talk. And in verse 12, it just says this. No, he said to them, you've come to see the weakness of the land. You're, you're, you're not spies. Or you are spies, he says. And then in verse 13, this conversation. No, no, no. We're servants. We're, we're 12 brothers. What? I would be like, okay, let's count. One, two, three, four, five. Hey, you guys don't know how to count? No, we're 12 brothers, but we still count the two that aren't here. The youngest is Benjamin. You know, they don't get into this, but he's the son of Rachel. And then the other one, he's no longer living. They don't say this, but his name is Joseph. He's the son of, of Rachel. And two of them connected to Rachel. No, they're not here. But there's 12 of us. And in verse 14, Joseph just says, I've spoken. You're done. You're spies. I get it. I know who you are. And in verse 15, this is how you'll be tested. As surely as Pharaoh lives... You'll not leave this place unless your youngest brother brother comes here. <laughs> In other words, hey, I kind of like to see my brother. Let's make him go through something. And he says, I, I need to make sure you bring back your brother. In other words, what, what's already happened is, and we, we've talked about this in the American society, if you've done a crime, but you've never been charged for it yet, you're always innocent until proven guilty. What you have with Joseph, what you have with his, his 12 brothers, his 10 brothers, is that they're guilty already before they've been proven innocent. And so you have this, this, this flip that Bruce Walkie says that I believe Joseph just begins to, to walk out. In verse 16, Kevin, if you'd go there. So here's what I want you to do, Joseph says. I want you to send one of your number to get your brother. The rest of you will be in prison so that your words can be tested to see if they're true. If they are not, then as surely as Pharaoh lives, 
you are spies. In other words, uh, Rich, are you, you got this for a second? How many brothers is he going to send to go get the other brother? Going back, he's going to send nine. No, not yet. Not yet. In this one, he's just sending one. Eventually, you're right. That's prophetic, Rich. That's good. He's going to send one, one, and then the, the rest are going to stay. So then in verse 17, so Joseph, he imprisoned all of them. Okay, all ten. He imprisoned them for three days. Oh, let's just sit on it. I mean, that's really what he says. He, he says, I got an idea, but let's all just sit on it. For three days, I'm going to put you in prison. You know, somebody just said, one commentator said, do you think those three days are just maybe a little taste of what he did for three years? Yeah, one day, yep. Uh, two days, yep. Three days. I did this for three years. And then in verse 18, on the third day, Joseph said to them, so he gathered them back, I, I fear God. Nowhere in this conversation has Joseph rele- uh, uh, um, said out loud, God, anywhere. But now he's making a public declar- declaration to his brothers, I fear God. Do this and you will live. And so he's making this confession. By the way, God's in this. I want to make sure you understand this. And then he says, here's what I want you to do. In verse 19, he gives the instructions. If you're honest, let one of you be confined to the guardhouse. This is where, Rich, you're right. One is going to stay back. And then the rest of you can go. You take grain to relieve the hunger of your households. In verse 20, he continues on. Bring your youngest, bring Benjamin back to me so that your words can be confirmed that you're not a spy. And then you won't die. And they consented to this. So here it is. I fear God. You send, uh, you send nine. We'll keep one. And now they have this discussion. Hey guys, which, which one wants to stay back? <laughs> I mean, if they're having this discussion, ah, uh, this is where I go back to the three stooges. Whoop, you, whoop, whoop, whoop. You know, like all of this, like, I think they have this. No, I think it's tense. I think it's really tense. And here's what it says in verse 21. They said to each other, obviously we're being punished for what we did to our brother. We see what we did. The consciousness, the consciousness is kicking in. And it says we see his deep distress. And we know that this deep distress was when in Genesis 42 is when they, or Genesis 37, they throw him into the pit, right? And it says that, Right here it says, he pleaded with us, and I believe it's when they're eating a meal, he's in the pit, he's in the cistern, and he's saying, guys, I don't think this is a great idea, let me out. But the scripture says, but the brothers went, listen. And they're having this conversation about which one is going to stay back, and they say, this is why trouble has come to us. I can't believe we actually did this. In verse 22, Reuben, he replied, he has a conversation with them. Didn't I, didn't I tell you to harm the, not to harm the boy? But you wouldn't listen. You know, isn't there always somebody, you know, somewhere, wherever you're at, your family, I told you, <laughs> or in a ministry, I told you you shouldn't have done that. You know, like, uh-huh, uh, like that's what Reuben's doing, but you wouldn't listen. Now we must account for his blood. And he, he's saying everybody has to account for his blood. And the craziest thing is, and I think this is pretty profound, is that they didn't know in verse 23 that Joseph was listening. And they didn't even know that Joseph could understand them. Since there was an interpreter between them, they just naturally assumed, well, this guy doesn't understand Hebrew. There's no way he knows what we're saying. And it says in verse 24, after he heard his brothers arguing, after he heard Reuben say what he said, it says that he lost it. He turned away from them and wept. Now, there's six times, uh, Bruce, uh, Warren Wearsby, remember my buddy back here, Warren Wearsby, there's six times that Joseph shows emotion, that he shows weeping. Genesis 42, he hears him talking and it says he wept. In Genesis 43, it says he sees his, his younger brother, he wept. In Genesis 45, he reveals himself to all of his brothers. And what does he do? He weeps. In Genesis 46, he meets his father for the first time. Since he was 17, he sees him in Egypt in Genesis 46 and he weeps. 
In Genesis 50, his father dies. He weeps. And at the end of Genesis 50, verse 17, the brothers are like, now that Jacob's dead, they're like, oh no, is Joseph gonna, is he gonna kill us? Is he mad at us? And he weeps and he says, no, no, no. Guys, I, I've forgiven you. I, I'm functioning in a pure heart. I love you and I care for you. And so six times, Joseph shows his true character. He really doesn't have anything uh, except to glorify the Lord. It's a pretty powerful statement. It says, after he was done weeping, it says he turned back, he spoke to them, and then he took Simeon. I think this is interesting. He took the second oldest, Leah's son, takes Simeon from them and had him bound before their eyes because Reuben, he heard Reuben say that he, he tried to stand up for him. And so he says, well, I'll take up somebody, I'll take somebody else. <laughs> and so then in verse 25, it says, then Joseph then gave, uh, orders to fill their containers with grain, return each man's money to his sack and give them provisions for their journey. This order, this order was carried out. I, I love that Joseph's playing mind games with these guys. You know, he doesn't let them know that he speaks Hebrew. He doesn't let them know, oh, I'm going to put money in your bag. And then in verse 26 of 42, they loaded the grain on their donkeys. Come on. You always want to do that sound when you see donkeys. Rich? Not really. Okay. And then they left there. I'm just glad you said donkey rich. Verse 27. Uh, here we go. At that place where they lodged for the night, one of the brothers, it doesn't say which, opened their sack to get feed for his donkey. In other words, it's, it's, it's not I got to feed my donkey. And he saw his money there at the top of the bag. <laughs> and in verse 28, he said to his brothers, now, I'm going to give you two options. Okay, guys, two options of how this sounded. Okay, I'm going to go dramatic Kyle for a second. This is one of the ways that he communicated. Hey guys, my money has been returned. Praise the Lord. Woo-hoo! It's in my bag. Okay, that's your first option. Second option, second option is this. Oh, oh no, my, my money's been returned. Oh no. Guys, it's in my bag. Uh, this isn't good. Okay, which one is it, do you guys think? Going with two. Rich, what do you think? I'm still thinking he probably said more than that. <laughs> what do you think he said, Rich? Well, in, in Egyptian, he probably said something like, holy crap. <laughs> in Egyptian. <laughs> All right, so here's the deal. It says, after he said that, the scripture says in 20, verse 28, their hearts sank. Trembling, they turned to one another. And then they, they said something that I think is absolutely bizarre because their conscience is kicking their rear right now. They're, they're totally getting what's happening. And they says, what is this that God has done to us? Why is, why is God judging us? What was going on? It's catching up with us. And so now this money is back. What is going on? So then it, scripture continues on in verse 29. When they reached their father Jacob in the land of Canaan, they told him all that had happened to them. Man, God, how do we tell our dad this story? And I think they begin to unfold, if you would, Kevin, go to verse 30. This is the story that they tell their father. I feel like it would be like, uh, fireplace chat with Jacob. The man who is the Lord of the country spoke harshly to us, and he accused us of spying on the country. Verse 31, scripture continues, but we told him, we're honest and not spies, which is true. So far, the story is looking good. Verse 32, they continue to tell Jacob, we were 12 brothers, sons of the same father. One is no longer living. That's Joseph. And the younger, youngest is now with our father in the land of Canaan. That's Benjamin. So, so far, the story's looking really good. Verse 33. The man who is the Lord of the country said to us, this is how I'll know if you're honest. In other words, this is how I know if you're telling me this, the real story. Leave one brother with me. Take food to relieve, 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 relieve the hunger of your households and go. 
I love how they phrase, leave one brother with me. Oh yeah, just hang out at the palace with me. This would be great. No, man, he was bound in chains and he's a prisoner. Simeon is a prisoner. They forgot to mention that Reuben had an argument and said, hey guys, I told you we shouldn't do this. Now my other brother's being chosen. And so this is the story that they say. Now watch this in verse 34. Bring back your youngest brother to me. So now they're telling him, oh, by the way, we need to take Benjamin back. <laughs> it's just quiet. We're supposed to bring back Benjamin. I mean, I think it's like, I think they were just like super nervous. And I will know that you're not spies, but honest men, I'll give the, then give your brother back to you, Simeon, and then you can trade in the country. In other words, all is going to be well. God, uh, uh, dad, we just, we just need to, we just need to take Benjamin with us. Verse 35. As they began emptying their sacks, not just so you know, I think at this point, everything's on the table. And in verse 35, they began emptying their sacks. Literally, there in each man's sack was the bag of, is his bag of money. When they and their father saw their bags of money, I think they all said in Hebrew and Egyptian, holy crap. <laughs> they were afraid. And then the scripture continues on in verse 36. Their father, Jacob, he says something that we've all been thinking the last couple of days that we've been reading Genesis. He says something that we've all been wondering since Joseph was 17 years old. And now here we are 21 years later. We all think what he finally says. You have deprived me of my sons. Now, he doesn't just say you've deprived me of Simeon, who's a prisoner. He says of my sons, Joseph is gone. He's equating his brothers, his sons did something to his brother, Joseph. You've deprived me of Joseph and now Simeon is gone and now you want me to take Benjamin? Everything is happening to me. Woe is me. Man, I'm telling you, if I heard that, I'd want to crawl in a hole. Oh yeah, that that was him. No, it's all of them. All of them and he's calling them out on it. In verse 37, he really lets them have it. And well, first of all, Reuben, he, he kind of argues real quick. He says, hey, look, all right, dad, here's the deal. I'll give you my two sons. You can kill them if I don't bring back Simeon, if I don't bring back Benjamin. Okay, put him in my care and I'll return him to you. Let me take care of Benjamin. And if I don't, you can kill my two sons. I think Reuben's trying to redeem himself, first of all. And then Jacob has an answer in verse 38. Man, I don't, I don't know. If I heard this, I would be like, oh no. <laughs> this isn't ending well. Jacob answered, my son will not go down with you. In other words, Benjamin, no way. For his brother, Joseph, is dead. And he alone is left. That's all I have. If anything happens to him on your journey. So I think it's interesting though. Did he just transition right here? If anything happens to him on your journey, you will bring my gray hairs down to Sheol in sorrow. In other words, I know I don't have an option, but if anything happens, I'm done. So it's like he transitions in this argument, like, I can't let you do this, but I know it might have to happen. And either way, it's just not, it's not good. And so here you have Joseph walking out the interpretations of his dream on many levels. The sheaves bowing down, uh, the seven years of abundance, and then the seven years of famine. Like, he is walking this Thing out. The nations have come to him. His family has come to him. Why? Because I believe Joseph is to save the seed. Yeah, now we are already pointed that it's in the line of, of Judah. I think this is important to understand. But Judah doesn't continue on 
unless Joseph saves the seed. It's an interesting story that we're in in Genesis 41 through 42, but tomorrow, guess what? We're going to continue to hammer it out more. Now what? Now what does it look like as this story continues through Joseph, his brothers, his dad, and all of Egypt? Thanks for tuning in, guys. I love that we're plowing through scriptures every single day. Can you believe by the end of this week, you and I have gone through one book of the Bible, Genesis, the seed. And my hope and prayer is that you're greatly encouraged to keep your eyes on Christ amidst everything.